Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Courtside with Bielinson Tennis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. We are just days away from first ball at Wimbledon. Of course, we have my co-host and Hall of Famer, Steve Flink, on. Um, a lot to talk about that draws out. Looking forward to this episode. Let's start with a few themes before we get into the draw. And we got to start with Mr. Rafael Nadal. And this was something that you and I talked about briefly off, off uh, record. You know, this is his first time in his career that he has been halfway to a Grand Slam. And it's interesting because he's won 14 French Opens. But yet when you look at the tournament, the, the slam immediately preceding it, he only won the Australian one other time, which was in 2009. And as we all know, in 2009, Rafa did not win the French. Roger no. Federer won the French, beating Robin Soderling that year. Um, yeah, and Robin Soderling, of course, had beaten Rafa in the shocker in the round of 16. And that, that year he looked, I was convinced, he had been pretty dominant on the clay coming into Roland Garros. So I thought, I thought he was going to get himself halfway to the slam that year. It just was not to be. It's crazy that this is the first time in his career that he's in this position. And yet when you look at Novak and Roger, and I'll let you expand on it, they haven't been halfway through a, a, a calendar grand slam that many more times either. No, no, no. Listen, Roger... Think about it. We you just we talked about the Rafa example of in 09 winning Australia, but that was a rare year where he lost at Roland Garros. Roger has only won one French that same year, 09, but he didn't he lost the epic five set at Rafa in Australia. So he never got him. He was never halfway to the Grand Slam. The best of the trio is Novak. Uh, because Novak in 2016 won the first two. And that made it meant four in a row over two years as well first since labor. And then, then he lost early at Wimbledon to Sam Query, And, and uh, Novak did it again, of course, last year, winning the first three and getting all the way to the finals of the U S open. So he's been the one that's put himself in the best position, but uh, listen, Rafa, it, it, I, I think in the back of his mind, he's saying to himself, I really, and I say this with respectfully, he's saying in the back of his mind, I going into Australia, I didn't think I had any business winning it, but I was going to try. And he, as usual, he tried and tried exceedingly hard and pulled it off brilliantly. And then he had his doubts leading up to Roland Garros because the foot was acting up so badly. So I don't know how high his hopes were even on his favorite surface. And he wins there. So I think he's sort of saying to himself now, nah, David, you know, maybe this is maybe this is destiny. Maybe if I can just keep putting myself in a position and just take pressure off myself you know, the Grand Slam might be possible. Uh, I think that's what's swirling around his mind, but uh, it's, it's a remarkable achievement for him to be where he is right now in this 2022 season. And what working against it, of course, is just that he hasn't won Wimbledon since 2010 when he took his second title. Having said that, David, he had not won the Australian since that 09 five-set win over Rafa in the, over a Roger in the finals. So he'd gone 13 years there. Now he's trying to do it 12 years later after a 12-year gap at Wimbledon. So he's well aware of how long it had been in Melbourne. So I don't think he's going to let that get in the way psychologically at Wimbledon either. So for our viewers, think about this. Rafa has 22 slams. Novak has 20 slams. And Roger has 20 slams. Roger never got to a halfway point in winning the, the calendar yeah. Grand Slam. Novak has had two times. And Rafa, this is Rafa's very first time. That's, that's incredible that it, there's been such few opportunities when you look at 
what is it, 62 grand slams among the three of them? <laughs> that, that's crazy. Uh, of course, Rafa, Rafa you can, we can blame Rafa, and I say that playfully, because when somebody wins 14 Roland Garros's, I mean, you know, it, it, he took away, he made it almost impossible for the others, you know. Yeah, Roger, that's what I'm saying. Rafa should have more, right? It's just amazing that he only won one Australia, because if he did a little yeah. bit better in Australia, he's won two now, but I'm saying before, um, you know, if he did a little bit better in Australia, he would have been positioned to be in halfway through more than just this one, this first time. Yeah. Listen, they've all had their hard luck. Obviously the clay was always the biggest struggle for Roger. And I'm sure he's really delighted that he took advantage of his one great opportunity, despite losing four finals to Rafa, he got the one title he needed. You you wonder how much of it's psychological though. Novak in New York, winning three titles, three opens, but losing six finals. Who would believe that for a great hardcore player like him? And so many of those finals, if you look back on them or matches going in, you thought he was probably going to win. So it's fascinating. And I, I, I think you're right, though. The primary for the lot. I think Novak will enjoy this, uh, by the way, because it's better for him to have more focus on Rafa going for the Grand Slam when he's been through so much over these over these last several months and hasn't won a major since Wimbledon last year. Well, let's stick with Novak then, because, you know, he won it in 2018. He won it in 2019 over that great final over Roger. The pandemic took away Wimbledon in 2020, and then Novak won again in 2021 last year. So he's on a 21-match win streak. Um, he loves this place. He does, and he's got six of them all together, six titles all together. So it's a, it's a phenomenal record. Who would think that he has, would, would have won twice as many Wimbledons than U.S. Opens, but that's the case. And uh, yeah, that has to give him confidence and everybody knows he's the player to beat going in. And I think that gives him reassurance as opposed to Roland Garros, where despite the fact that he was a defending champion, he always had to worry about Rafa and can I do it again against Rafa? And I've beaten him twice on this court, but it's such a tall order. But Wimbledon is different. He goes back in there feeling like he belongs, feeling like it's been his court. It's been his place. And uh, that, that's got to be a, a big confidence boost for him, for Novak, heading into the 2022 Wimbledon, no doubt about it. And I think a lot of people, especially the top seeds, are breathing a sigh of relief where they saw uh, where Andy Murray and Nick Kyrgios uh, ended up in the draw because both Andy and Nick, as everyone knows, were unseated, so they could be placed anywhere in the draw. Um, they weren't placed in such dangerous uh, places in the draw where they could upset a very, very high seed early. Andy plays um, James Duckworth and possibly John Isner, which could be an interesting, very interesting second round match. Nick Kyrgios, he plays Paul Jubb. And then again, we don't like to look too far out, but a potential match with Stefano Tsitsipas, I believe in the third round. Um, again, the top guys breathing a sigh of relief when you got floaters that can be placed anywhere in the draw as good as Andy Murray and Nick Kyrgios are. Yeah, listen, I think, you know, as far as Andy's concerned, the Isner match on paper might be a little more, look a little bit more uh, daunting than it may be on the court. And I say that with all due respect to John Isner, but in best of five, I think Andy's going to have a real edge the way he returns. He's going to start wearing John down, even on a grass court. So I still like his chances there. And he may end up playing Sinner, by the way, possibly in the, in the third round. So he's got a tough little path and, and, but boy, the, the, the tight, the, the, the fervency of those fans, the, the British fans greeting him back on and probably playing most of his matches on center, if not on court one, he's going to he's going to enjoy uh, 
an awful lot of support from his home country's fans. And I think he's going to be thrilled to be out there. And hopefully he stays healthy. Hopefully he gets, he's over this injury, pre-Wimbledon injury. And, and Andy's had a remarkably good 2022. So it's going to be fun to follow his progress this time around. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, the last theme we'll hit on before we go into a few matches, um, we have to obviously talk about Serena Williams. She played doubles in Eastbourne, not singles. Um, to me, she looked good. Again, doubles is not singles, but she looked good. She was serving good. She played well in um, some tight moments, which is something you always look at for anybody when they haven't played for a while, how they respond in those tough moments. Um, her, her level rose to the occasion, I felt, during those tight moments. To me, she looked like she was hitting the ball good. I don't know how much that will translate into singles in Wimbledon. We talked about last episode, you know, you have to play a little bit to work yourself into, into uh, playing shape, match shape. It's just different than playing practice matches or practice. But um, you look at her draw, it's not terrible. There is Coco Goff, maybe. Again, we don't like to project too far out, but I believe Coco could potentially play her in a round of 16 match, which would be fun. That's right. Yeah, Coco seated 11th. That's that's correct. I, I, I'm i a little baffled, David. I mean, she you're right. She did a good job. And, and if Ange Jabor doesn't get hurt, you know, maybe they, they win that doubles title. It was a good effort from Serena. However, I don't understand not playing the singles at Eastbourne. I, she has been gone since Wimbledon last year. Why not come in there and see if you can get two, three matches in? Just see, see how far you can take it and get acclimated in singles again because it's asking an awful lot of herself to go into Wimbledon that cold in singles. And the doubles, yes, it's competition and tension and, and you're back out there in official matches. But to me, it's not the same thing. So it'll be fascinating to wa- see how she can perform on one of her favorite courts. And, uh, but I'm not optimistic she's going to go too far. I'll be pleasantly surprised if she does. Yeah, yeah. Let's dive into just a few matches and, and hear your thoughts on a couple. We'll start at the very top, Novak, top seed. Potential second-round match with, and we all know how talented this kid is, Tanzai Kokonakis. Tanasi Kokonakis, sorry about that. Um, right. He's talented, right? Kokonakis can beat anybody. Um, injuries have really curtailed his career. He seems to be doing a little bit better now. Obviously, he won uh, the Australian dubs with Nick Kyrgios. Um any potential danger for Novak in that second round? I, I agree with you about Kokonakis. Danger, maybe he loses a set. I can't see that Novak would be pushed beyond four. And maybe Kokonakis could, will surprise us. But I think that Djokovic will, he's aware of that danger. It's a good thing for him going in. So he would get himself really maybe a little extra psyched up for that particular encounter. So no, it could be something of a test, and maybe maybe Kokonakis steals a set along the way, but I still think Djokovic wins comfortably enough. Got it. And then another player we haven't seen a lot of, he's starting to come back now, Stan Wawrinka drew uh, Yannick Sinner uh, yeah. in the first round. That could be an interesting match. It could. You know, grass has never really been Stan's favorite surface. Here's a guy that's won the French in 15, a Roland Garros on the clay, and he's won two major hardcore titles in Australia and the U.S. Open. So his best results have been, he's been surprised. He's, he's always been very comfortable on clay and underrated on clay. Great hardcore player. Haven't really, we haven't seen Stan's best across his career on the grass. And then, of course, he's come back from all of his injuries and it's been a struggle this year. So I still like Sinner. On the other hand, I think that's a match that Stan gets up for. 
that he uh, that he'll, he'll he'll get some crowd support and he could make him a little nervous if he has a good serving day. But I haven't seen enough evidence yet to believe that he wins that match. Maybe four, maybe even five. But I still like Sinner. I think a lot of tennis fans' eyes have obviously been on Carlos Alcaraz. I saw when the draw opened, I, I felt he faced an interesting first round opponent in Jan Leonard Struff. Um, Struff's a big, big hitter, big player, can play at a high level, um, has not had a good year. But when I saw the draw come out, um, that's a dangerous one for Carlos if he's not up to the task. And especially Carlos has a big wrap on his elbow. Hopefully that's something minor. Um, could be dangerous for him. We don't know how well Carlos can play on grass, really. No, and you're right. And the injury, it's, it was unfortunate for him that he come off a decent French. He didn't have the dream title that he might have hoped for and that we all thought was possible but he got to the quarters he loses to Zarev and so he, you know he it's unfortunate for him that he didn't couldn't get any good grass court tournament preparation he had to take this time off to try to heal and as you say it's the evidence is there that he still has a lingering problem yeah I agree Strupp is a big server so on the grass you know he keeps holding uh, I, I don't know if the return is necessarily the best part of Carlos's game he's got an awful lot of strengths but I, uh, I, I think maybe Struff can sort of stay with him if he's having a good serving day. I still like Carlos to win, but it will be a test. And let's just hope, David, that whatever's going on there, uh, that, that he's OK, that we, we don't have to suddenly see him defaulting in the middle of that match. Or I hope he's OK physically. That would be a shame because he's been such a such a, a keynote central performer in the game this year. And on, on his way, I believe, to number one, I still believe. As I've said before, I still believe he can his good chance to close this year at number one. I mean, look at the situation now. Zarev is out for a while. He's not going to be playing Wimbledon. Nova, nobody can get any points at Wimbledon. Novak could defend. He can't get any points. So then if Carlos starts peaking again in the summer, you know, then, it, you know, it'll be sort of he and Rafa will be sort of the pace setters. And the question is, how much will Rafa really want to play, particularly if he's in still in contention going for the Grand Slam? I just think that that the way it all adds up, if Carlos is not out long with injuries, he's uh, he's headed for the top. But but I, I hope at Wimbledon, all I want for him at Wimbledon is a clean slate of health so that he can play good tennis. And maybe eventually we get to see him play Novak in the quarters. That would be nice. Right, 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 right. For sure. Um, Felix Ajir Aliasim, everyone's been so high on him and he's been doing um, well in slams now. He's gotten deep runs into slams. He's lost a few heartbreakers and slams we know he's right there he has a very dangerous opponent someone who will give you no rhythm at all his opponent Maxime Cressy is doing well in a warm-up tournament as we speak um if Felix can get through that he'll I think he'll he'll make a deep run in this tournament but Cressy's that type of opponent that you just got to get through how ugly it looks just get through because he's not going to give you any sort of rhythm at all you said it well you said it exceptionally well he's got to get through it. It is going to be messy. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be a nightmare of a match in many ways, as it is for anybody who plays Cressy, because you don't see anything like this. He's, he's out of the old days, the chip and charge attacking at all costs. You just don't see a player like that uh, these days in this game. So I just think that that's something uncle Tony's going to surely have prepared him for. And he, he will have heard about it. He will know that he's got to just keep his cool. He's a very composed young man to begin with. So I think he'll be okay. I think he just, the, 
the first set, set and a half could be tough at trying to adjust. But again, if he concentrates on serving his best himself, not giving Cressy a chance to chip and charge off second serves, keeps his own first serve percentage high, I like his chances. And uh, But boy, I, that's not the draw any, any of the seeds would want to have to face Cressy in the first round. No, no easy task. Right. Agreed. Um, Taylor Fritz plays Lorenzo Musetti, and you've seen the last, especially in the last two French Opens, Musetti's played, he's lost some epic matches in the French Open, but he can play. I don't know how much that will translate onto grass. Um, any concerns for Taylor in that match? Some, I think, I think that he'd be more concerned if he was playing Musetti on the clay. And as you alluded to those French Opens, you know, he had, he had both, uh, Djokovic and Sitsipas the last two years down two sets to love and couldn't finish them off. No, I mean, I, I think that Taylor will be very professional in his approach, but I think on the grass, he's got the edge with the way, you know, with, with his style of play and his flat penetrating ground strokes and his, and his terrific serve. So uh, he, he'll be ready. I, I, I would say going in, I would like, I, I would go for Taylor probably four sets. I just think on this court, if you were playing him on clay, uh, I might flip the coin. Got it. The last one I'm going to ask you about is uh, Marin Cilic versus Mackenzie McDonald. Marin Cilic, I mean, this is turn back the clock. He's been playing great, great ball right now. Mackenzie McDonald is good. He's a good, solid player. Um, he's had decent results, a little bit of his career up and down, but um, he's good. That's a that's an interesting first round match. I'm eager to see and eager to see how that scoreline plays out. Well, as you said, Chilich has been playing really well, you know, and he got some good preparation in on the grass and he's coming off a semifinal at the French where he beat Medvedev and uh, I, I, he's playing his best tennis in years. You know, Mackenzie, I think in, in some ways is, is a good way for Chilich to start. Not a, not a gimme, not a simple match, but one where he can feel comfortable from the baseline and work his way in. And if Marin's serve is, is anywhere near full efficiency, the matches in his hands and, and and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how he does because potentially we could see Marin play Rafa in the round of 16 which would be a very enticing match yep 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 let's flip over to the ladies side now um Iga Sriantek first top seed obviously playing great she looks to have a pretty good draw um a first round match that that stuck out to me was Jill Teichman versus um Aya Tomjanovic I think that's a that's a good first round match Teichman seeded, Tom Janovic is not, but I think that match is going to be close. I think it's really going to be close. Absolutely. And no, that's, that's a, that, that one is, that one is uh, almost 50, 50 in my view. Uh, you know, I give Teichman on recent form being a top 20 player. I'm going to give her a slight edge, but I think it's, it's, it's very likely to go three and the, and the outcome could be hanging the balance. Carolina Muchova versus Simona Hallett. I think that one is going to be a little challenging as well for Simona. That's no uh, easy first round match. No, not at all. I mean, Simona's playing well and, uh, and on experience and having won this title, obviously she, she likes where she is, but uh, that's, that, that's what, that's, that's, it's tough. That's a tough starting uh, assignment for her to be sure. And she needs to be sharp from the beginning and keeping her emotions under control and, Maybe the courts being still a little bit slicker at that stage does not help her, but Simona is experienced. She has the experience, I think, to get through it. But I, I, I could envision a, a pretty uh, arduous three-set match there with Simona finally pulling through in the end. 
And we touched on it previously, and I think all tennis fans maybe hope this will happen. Again, a lot of tennis to be played out, so we're not going to really get into something that has ways to go before it happens, but a potential Coco Golf serena Williams round of 16 match. I think all eyes are on that section of the draw and see uh, that would be something. But we'll get to that when we get to that. Hopefully it happens, right, Steve? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. No, if Serena got that far, that would tell us that she's playing some pretty good tennis, even if she had three setters along the way. So I, I do hope we get it. The fans would love it. And Coco is so respectful of the Williams sisters, but not afraid to beat them, as we know from past experience. Right, 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 right. Um, Emma Raducanu, I'm going to flip over to her. You know, everyone remembers her miraculous U.S. Open run through qualifying um, and the main draw. Didn't lose a set. Uh, and what 10 matches right Steve correct Um, you got to remember her first real move was at this tournament last year where she made the fourth round everyone talks about New York but really her first mark in the tennis world was at this tournament just a year ago made it to the fourth round her her year has been so up and down and a lot of uh not a lot of stability we'd say on the coaching front um again give her some slack right give her some time her life changed miraculously last year. It takes people some time to figure all this out. Um, but again, interesting that everyone talks about New York. She made the fourth round here at Wimbledon last year. This is when she really um, set her first mark on the tour. Yeah, you're right. And you're also right about the Open. It was irrevocable. I mean, it, her life changed forever. And it was a lot to digest for her and to absorb She'll get there, and but you're absolutely right. She showed, at least in terms of how she, her outlook on Wimbledon, she can remember that that was a stepping stone toward winning the U.S. Open uh, because she did surprisingly well. And uh, I think she, I, I, I hope that that the playing for her fans will, will, will be a big boost for her this time around too, because this this is where you kind of hope she gets going again, builds up a little momentum as she heads back to try to defend her title in late August and September in New York. Leave you with two other players um, before we wrap up. Anz Jabor, she had a great year going into the French, obviously disappointed with the, with the result at Roland Garros. Um, hopefully frame of mind is good now, playing with Serena for a couple matches. So fun to watch. Her creativity could be a plus on this grass. Um, you looking for a deep run from Anz's tournament? I'm hoping so. Obviously, she was disappointed. We were disappointed for her at Roland Garros. But yes, you're so right. Her creativity, I think it can maybe be revealed to an even larger extent, be exposed in the best possible way uh, on the lawns. And and I think she she would prefer grass to clay, even though she's improved her clay court game considerably. So, yeah, I think everybody's looking forward to watching her. And she's really become one of the fans a fan favorite to be sure almost everywhere she goes. I, I, I think she can go deep into this draw. And I'll leave you with a final player. I, I've talked about it at the year end. I don't shy away from my prediction. I may be wrong. We're more than halfway through. Well, we're at the halfway point now. But uh, Maria Sakri, I said she was going to win a Grand Slam in 20, 2022. Um, hasn't happened in the first two. Draw seems okay. Um, not too dangerous. If she can play well, work her way in through the tournament, always a dangerous opponent. The question is, does she have that extra, extra, extra of what it takes to win a major? Um, She's been close. Let's see what happens. Thoughts on Maria? Yeah, my my concerns about 
about her have not changed, David. I, I love the way she plays. I, I love the, the, her competitiveness and her resilience. And she, she's a very, um, you know, upbeat performer and she enjoys what she's doing out there. However, I think she gets tight too often. The tension sets in, in the crucial stages, tight corners of matches. I worry about that closing out matches has been a, been an ongoing uh, dilemma for her. That's, that's where I worry. I, I mean, I don't worry about her draw particularly. I think there's anybody I can see her. I look at all the seeds on her half. I don't think there's anybody that she can't beat. Right. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I could see her under the right circumstances getting to the finals even, yeah. but, but the question is going to be, you know, she, it, 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 how well does she close? How tight does she get? That's been to me a bigger issue than anything uh, structural in her game is the state of mind and, and the confidence in herself when it really counts. And we're going to find out. And I know you've been a big believer all along. And I, I, I like that. And, and I, I, I think this is an opportunity to be sure, but I want to, I just want to see how, how good she is in, in the, uh, in the crucial stages of these contests. Yeah. And I think, you know, draws are everything, but just on a high level, do you think she has a better chance of winning a slam on a hard court, let's say Australia or New York, you know, New York's going to be the last one. Then she does at Wimbledon. Probably, probably more comfortable. On the other hand, I think she's, I think she's, uh, she's not, ill at ease on grass and she moves really well and and foot speed and anticipation all those qualities they're they, they're very helpful on grass they're very important attributes so I, I i don't think she's that much less efficient or effective on a on a grass court than she is on hard even though she prefers the hard courts and a lot of others share that challenge with her so i i think as Looking at the draw, and I think she's happy this Riontex on the other side. I mean, that's something a lot of people would feel <laughs> that Sakari Sakari has a real has definitely has a chance to uh, to be around for the, the 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 last three or four days of this tournament, and maybe even the last day. Yeah, we shall see. So um, we're excited. We're again, we're we're just a couple of days before first ball. Steve, I want to wish you safe travels because I know you're going over there um, later in the first week. And we're going to do our best to record an episode while you're over there. Looking forward to hearing um, your insight on maybe some things that the public uh, would not normally see. So for the viewers out there, Steve and I are going to do our best um, to try to record when he's out there. And we're looking forward to uh, to, to the very next episode with you there. And uh, should be a great fortnight, Steve. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, David, and heading, heading over there at, uh in time to get there for the middle Sunday. So I'm, I'm hoping we'll do one of our talks early the second week when, when things are really building for the home stretch and we're looking at the quarters and beyond, because that's obviously the, that that's when the eyes of the world are on Wimbledon and you and I will be watching it very closely in our own way. So looking forward to speaking to you from London, David, in, in a maybe a little over a week. Can't wait. Safe travel, Steve. Thanks, David. <laughs>